This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the 14th episode of season two of Maybe Baby, the podcast for the parentally confused. I thought we were the parentally undecided. We were, Sonny Jim, but this week I'm just confused. Okay, so what's confused you? Sleep. Sleep? Yes. Okay. Sleep. <laughs> you know I hardly slept before you put a bun in my oven and I think it's fair to say that pregnancy has not improved things in the sleep department. Throw in a teeny tiny uh, newborn um, and it's just it's just making me worried. Well, isn't it convenient that we have this week's guest on to help us? It so is. Wow. I'm over the moon this lovely lady could make the time for us. So you know what? Let's just get straight in to this week's super insightful episode. It's something you do for a third of your life. And yet so many of us profess to be so bad at it. So how can we get our baby off on the right foot? Today's guest is all about straightforward advice to save your sleep, which given how ratty we both get when we haven't had much, sounds pretty important. She's an infant sleep consultant, mum of two and founder of Just Chill Baby Sleep. Here to help us with some super snoozing advice, it's Rosie Davidson. There you go, Hello. you can get the cheers Hello. as well. Thank you for having me on. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we need your advice, we have a million questions. One of the okay. reasons I was reluctant to try for a baby for so many years is because the idea of a newborn waking me up every hour and no more lay-ins at the weekend just didn't appeal to me, really. And I'm not a big sleeper. I get seven hours a night on average. Yeah. Shirley, our dog, she wakes us up every single morning without fail between 7 and 7.15. So you're probably thinking that's a lie-in, right? 7, 7.15. No, actually, this is going to surprise you. My kids don't get up till half seven. Half seven. Yeah. Well, you've trained them. You're the expert. So this <laughs> well, is why. I have. <laughs> <laughs> how old are your girls? They are seven and four. And my seven-year-old is how I got into the business because she wasn't sleeping. And I thought, basically, I can't go on like this. So I, I sourced quite a bit of help from different areas. So I spoke to my GP, my health visitor, a really old school nanny. Mm -hmm. And I put it all together and I was like, oh, my God, this actually works. And I realized all the things I was doing to get her to go to sleep were actually stopping her from going to sleep. Right. Um, and we kind of solved the riddle. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm really good at this. So I ended up helping loads of friends and family. And it was one of my best friends who'd had a baby. She said to me, Rosie, you should be charging for this. This is like absolutely life changing. So you did? Yeah. So that's and then I trained and the rest is history, really. But what really annoys me is when people scaremonger when you're pregnant. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you've had lots of unsolicited advice already um, and say, oh, 
enjoy your sleep now like if you're <laughs> never ever gonna sleep again and it's not the case like, really because yeah. that is the one thing people say to us rosie you're yanking my chain here you're, you're, you're giving me false hope. I mean, when they are firstborn, obviously, they wake regularly to feed. And we need to be realistic about that. Mm-hmm. But there does come a point where they are able to go longer between feeds at night. You're able to get a settled night. And I think most babies, by the time they get to sort of six months and up, they really can be sleeping really solid stretches. And don't think, oh my God, I'm not going to sleep for six months when I no. say that. You will. It's just setting up really good foundations. And that's one of the things I talk about all the time on my Instagram platform. Yeah. Shall we start with the first couple of weeks? Because I think this is yes. what scares us the most. We we keep talking about, Bodge and I, more than anything, this first day where we bring little Nuchki home with us. That's her yeah. name, by the way. Um, <laughs> where we bring her home and then we are like, okay, what happens now? Are Panic. We, are we supposed to change her nappy? Are we supposed to feed her? Are we supposed to put her down for a nap? How much does a newborn sleep and how much sleep are we realistically going to get in those first few weeks? Well, this is the thing. They are all different. So right. it depends when the baby's born as well, if there's any complications, if there's anything going on with them right. and just how they come out. Like Honestly, I believe from day dot, you can see their personality. Some babies have higher sleep needs and they'll sleep more, others mm-hmm. sleep less. But generally, newborns do sleep quite a lot. Right. They, they're asleep most of the day and most of the night. But what can sometimes happen is that they get night and day confused a little bit. But let's start at the, at the beginning. So when you first bring baby home, if she's born at full term or near to full term, then it's likely that she will wake up naturally for feeds. Some of them are, are born a bit sleepy, especially if they're born early, in which case you have to wake them for feeds. I see. Um, with my first, no one ever told me that. <laughs> No. When I had my second, I knew that. So I was, and I'd had a C-section with my second. Mm-hmm. However, once they've regained their birth weight, the midwife will come away, baby. Yeah. If baby's regained birth weight, you're allowed to let them sleep at night as long as they do and let them wake naturally for feeds. So that's where some people, and yes, they might be unusual. I call them unicorn babies. Some <laughs> people have babies who are only weeks old who will sleep for eight, nine hours. Wow. It's not the most often, but it does happen. So don't think my baby's definitely not going to sleep because you don't know that. But the chances are you'll be waking probably every couple of hours. They might go, you know, they might go a little bit longer, but it's about being organised knowing what what you're doing. None of us know what we're doing when we first have a baby, but you get that confidence. Like you think, how am I going to change a nappy? How am I going to handle this little person without breaking them? But I promise you, you do get the hang of it. Um, And you learn their cues as well. Like it's about listening to them, looking at them, working out what they're asking for. How do we know they're hungry? Depending on how you're feeding your baby, if you're breastfeeding, they'll start rooting around. And by rooting, they kind of like they open their mouth. They'll be like headbutting your boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them will have similar behaviours, even if you're formula feeding. So at at the beginning... I would assume that they want feeding, um, especially in those first few weeks. And while they're regaining their birth weight, that's really important. I always say to people, if you are thinking about breastfeeding, it's worth seeking some skilled support. So a lactation consultant, I don't know if you've heard of those. Yes. Um, But otherwise, just feeding really, really regularly. Baby's going to be wanting to build milk supply. One of the biggest myths that I despise is never wake a sleeping baby. It's absolutely not true at all. Okay. So if they've been napping in the day, 
and they've slept through a feed, you really don't want that because you want them to get as much nutrition as they need and they they might not necessarily ask for it during the day. So if they haven't fed for a couple of hours and they're looking really sleepy, you are you are okay to wake them up. And what's the best way to wake a baby? Like, what do you do? Do you just pick them up or do you just blow in their face, get Shirley and Baxter to lick them? Air hole. Some some people do blow on their faces a little bit. If That can be quite a useful tool if they're falling asleep halfway through a feed and you want them to finish the feed. But generally waking them up, I'd just pick them up, give them a cuddle, give them a kiss. If they really won't wake up, you can undress them a little bit, take a layer off. Yeah. If all else fails, change the nappy, wakes them up every time. (laughs) That's a great tip. I like that. Tickling. Yeah, one? you could you could try that. Oh, sorry, um, I don't know how irresponsible these things will be. You know, it's not, babies will tell you if they're not happy and they don't like something you're doing. Yeah. I've got a feeling I'm going to get that reaction for a lot of things I do. <laughs> the other thing with newborns in the day is just working out how long they've been awake for and how long they can be comfortably and happily awake. Mm-hmm. Most of them have quite a small awake window when they're first born. So it might be an hour, it might be 45 minutes. And if you're getting to that point and you're thinking, oh, they're getting really tetchy and like fussy, and it might just be that they're tired and they want you to settle them down. So do we have to start writing things down or are there apps that help you track how much there are, there are Yeah, there are apps. It depends what you're like. Some people can find it anxiety inducing because mm. you can get a bit obsessed mm. and you're like, oh, I did this with them yesterday and they, they did this and that, but then I did something differently and they didn't do it. You can get really like, That's good point. Um, it, can, it can really scramble your head a, a bit. And certainly in the early days, they're really unpredictable. That's normal. Like they will do different naps every day. It's not until they get to so really, I would say the earliest kind of eight weeks, 10 weeks when you might start seeing a natural sort of rhythm to your day where you're like, oh, OK, you know, we're doing a similar sort of pattern. I wouldn't get, you know, too, too into it. A lot of people do track feeds and they find that quite helpful, mm-hmm. especially if you feel like, you know, you're worried about baby's weight or you're worried about how much they're taking, that kind of thing. It might be reassuring in that sense. I heard recently that formula fed babies sleep better to know if that's a myth or not because they're getting more milk that's another one i can't stand it total myth yeah the research tells us that breastfeeding and formula feeding babies have similar waking patterns i think the difficulty comes when when you're breastfeeding a lot of people don't have the confidence that they're getting enough because you can't see what they're getting and when you formula feed you can see it in the bottle exactly actually we are designed naturally to breastfeed babies um, as long as they've got a good latch and everything's you know going well with breastfeeding they're taking enough you just have to trust them to take what they need Shirley agrees and will they <laughs> just stop sucking when they've had enough or will they fall asleep how do you know if they've got enough for brand new babies, feeding, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, is really tiring for them, the sucking. Mm. Like they get really tired and they just fall asleep. Right. You just have to trust them that then the next time they want it, you can just feed them. They get used to it and they get better at it and they get more efficient to the point where some people will say to me, I'm raising my baby's like four months old and she used to be on the boob for 45 minutes, but she only does like five minutes now. So that's fine. She's just got really, really efficient at it. It's about trusting and it's about feeding responsively. So feeding responsively means 
when your baby's asking for it or when you think they are due a feed, you can offer a feed as well. So certainly in the early days, it's not about trying to follow any kind of feeding schedule honestly it's just better just to let them do it and trust them but also wet and and dirty nappies is a really good indicator that they're getting enough if you have any concerns then I would seek some skilled breastfeeding support like I said before a lactation consultant or if you have Mm -hmm. a local breastfeeding um, peer supporter the main thing with breastfeeding is just getting a really good latch and making sure that baby is efficiently emptying the breast and breastfeeding works on a supply and demand so if you put them on enough your body will make enough and one of the pitfalls can be if you're not feeding responsibly, you're not putting them on enough, then you won't make enough milk, if that makes sense. It's not easy, (laughs) but it's not going to have an impact on their sleep. And I think this is the real misconception. And I'm proof because I would say my clients generally be 50% formula fed, 50% breastfed. That's what we're going to do. I think because one, I'd like Bodge to be part of it. So I've got a breast pump and I was thinking, of expressing as well as feeding so that you can feed her Mm. but also because I'm planning on going back to work I was advised to try and do half and half so that she's used to the bottle I actually meant that I would say in terms of the people that seek sleep support probably about 50 50 are formula feeding and 50 50 are breastfeeding as in right both methods of feeding have sleep issues Mm. um i think what you what you touched on was combination feeding which is um perfectly fine to do um if that's what you want to do or depending how your breastfeeding journey is going you can obviously express milk as well i think you want to express don't you what's the deal with that if i express and i put the milk in the bottle for bodge to feed my worry is that then she'll want the bottle more than the breast. Well, you leave it a little bit. You need to leave it until breastfeeding's really established. So I, yeah. I tend to say sort of a good six weeks, but that is a good time to introduce a bottle because what can sometimes happen, if you don't introduce it early enough, then they reject a bottle and they just don't want it because they're used to feeding on the breast. That would um, be tricky. <laughs> yeah, so... So basically you have to be quite organised. Yeah, but the beauty of breastfeeding is... You just do it whenever baby asks. You go for it. It's there. You don't have to sterilise a bottle. It's perfectly made for your baby in that moment. Like the vitamins and everything that you need for your baby. If I mean, it's it's totally magical. If your baby if your baby's ill, your body will make the exact milk that your baby needs to make them better. Like it's it's just mad. Wow. The more and more I learn about it, and I'm not a breastfeeding specialist. I'm a sleep specialist, but because they kind of go hand in hand a lot of the time. <laughs> Um, and I've got a few friends who are in that world who've taught me a lot about it and having breastfed to myself the first one not so successfully the second one I did um, we actually ended up combination feeding and introducing one bottle um, in the evenings and that that worked really well for us I think being a working mum as well to be realistic it's good to have that option We've spoken so much about breastfeeding. I know. It's interesting. Um, You mentioned earlier that it takes around eight, did you say eight to ten weeks for them to start kind of developing a rhythm? That was going to be one of my questions. How long does it take for them to start developing a sleep routine or do you as a parent introduce a routine? We've heard so many friends talk about routine. I mean, quite a few people have said that. Like They they literally will go, right, what time do you want to come round? Or say one, they go, no good. Baby's asleep then. You're like, well, I won't come round then. Be like that. But that is actually a thing, right? No, so with mine, I I was like that. I was quite militant. But 
it depends what what stage you're talking about. So newborn stage, when baby first comes home, she will sleep a lot and she'll probably sleep anywhere. She'll sleep if you take her for a walk in the sling, in the pram. Um, if you're having a cuddle after a feed, she she will just sleep because that's, yeah. that's what they do. But um, as time moves on, baby sleep changes. The mm. way they sleep changes. And you might have heard this phrase or you will hear it at some point, the four-month sleep regression. I don't actually like the phrase, but a lot of people talk about it and they say, oh, my baby used to sleep really well. And then all of a sudden they hit four months or around four months and it all went out of the window and they're waking up every hour. And what it means is biologically the way they sleep becomes more like an adult, their sleep cycles. Mm. So some of the things people might have done to get their baby to sleep before don't work anymore. They're more aware of their environment. And at this point, routine I think becomes absolutely vital earlier on it might just be a case if you say do you know what we're going to try and start our day and finish our day at roughly the same time each day I find that really helpful and to be honest if Shirley's waking you up at half seven anyway you can say okay we'll do the first feed of the day whatever's happened at night first feed of the day half seven get up have some breakfast, do whatever we're doing. And then you might head out for a dog walk and she goes for a sleep on the walk. Okay. And then your, your naps will kind of naturally, and this rhythm I talk about will naturally start occurring. And then um, you might do a little mini bedtime routine for her at like 7pm mm-hmm. or it doesn't have to be in the early days. Often people keep them up a bit later. But you might do a mini bedtime routine where it might just be a bath or a top and tail, sing her a lullaby, give her a cuddle, do a feed, put her down. And I'm not talking about in the early days putting her in her own room to go sleep or anything like that because that goes against guidelines. I just want that to be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd have her like downstairs with you or if you were knackered, you might want to go to bed with her or watch the iPad in bed or whatever. But that's the early days. It should be a really loose routine. But your friend is right. When you get to, I, I think, from four months onwards, A really organized, regular routine really, really helps with sleep. Some people will find that their babies naturally have fallen into a routine by this point. If they haven't, I think it's a really good time to do it. And that's when you can be sure they're going to do a long chunk of sleep. It might not be that they do 7-7, but they, they are capable, I believe, biologically at this age of doing a long chunk of sleep. Does timing matter? Like you just said, they might not do a seven, seven. Will a sleeping baby seven till seven be just as refreshed as a baby sleeping eight till eight or nine till nine? In theory, yes. And if that works for your family, I mean, if we look at different cultures around the world, other Mm -hmm. cultures don't necessarily do what we do. But I do find, and I don't really know what the answer is why this is, but babies will still wake up early in the morning. So Mm. even if you put to bed at nine, they will probably wake up at seven. So then you just end up with an aggy baby. Whereas if you put them to bed earlier, then they get a better sleep. Babies quite like going to bed early. And a lot of the fussiness and the the unsettledness that people talk about in the evenings, I think a lot of it is down to them actually wanting to be asleep. Ah, so with my job, I will get home at half past seven every night. And I was saying to Bodge recently, it'd be really nice to kind of hold off bath and bedtime till I get home. But that's just me being selfish because I want to be part of it. No, I think you could do it. So it was you on an eight, eight routine. That's not too far off. It depends. Like in the early days, that will be easier for you. I don't know how soon you'll go back to work. But um, once baby gets a bit older, it's, it's hard to know. You can you can mm. jig naps around a little bit so that it, it's all about working out how long they've been awake. And you want to kind of balance your day so that they have 
a nice long nap perhaps in the middle of the day and it might be that your baby has another little little cat nap in the afternoon to get them through to a later bedtime but it's about making it work for you and your family and you're going to want to see baby so there's no reason why you can't work that around now, the Gina Ford method is something we've heard about. And after taking a look at her golden rules, I've got to be honest, the idea of putting our baby in her own room from day one absolutely terrifies the shit out of No, me. no, no, no. So if you're looking for safe sleep guidance, the best place is the Lullaby Trust, the baby sleep charity. Um, I follow all those their guidelines religiously because okay. if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing my job. But they have the latest guidance and research. And they say that to keep your baby in with you for the first six months of life to help protect against SIDS, which stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of contributing things and factors to this. And it's it's sadly something that's quite unexplained in many situations, but there are lots of things you can do to help protect against it. And one is keeping them in with you. And especially if you're breastfeeding, you need to, you're kind of in tune with your baby. And it's before, often before they even wake up, you're there and you can feel your boobs like an alarm going off. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, Gina Ford, do you know what? Some of the concepts, some of what she talks about, I think actually I agree with that, like routines and things, but hers, I think it's a bit too strict. What about her? Some of them are. What about her other golden rule where it says allowing your baby to cry up to 12 minutes before they fall asleep each night? How long do we allow the baby to cry before we. This is the thing. It depends on your baby, first of all. So, some babies, we know this from research, some are biologically more sensitive than others so you do get babies that are born like they're quite robust and things don't really bother them as much as other babies and some are more sensitive Mm. and there was there were there was a phrase for this dandelion babies and orchid babies orchid babies need really particular conditions and then they thrive whereas dandelions are quite hardy um (laughs) I know it's a weird, it sounds like a weird kind of um, description. I like it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, we're all different. So in the early days, I wouldn't be leaving my baby to cry at all because they're asking you for something. They likely need a feed or they're uncomfortable or whatever. Mm. If you get to a point where they're a bit older and you know they are crying because they are tired, they might be crying in your arms. You might put them in the cot, have your hand on them. You might be sat next to the cot saying, or yeah. you might step out of the room for a few minutes. But yeah. I think to say in such a prescriptive way, leave your baby for 12 minutes, I'm like, no, I don't agree with that. We had Russell Kane on in the first series and he talked about Gina Ford and we, yeah. we didn't know anything. We didn't even really look up Gina Ford after that. And yeah. what he was saying made, you know, made sense. It's like, oh, you can get them into bed and they sleep longer. And then when you're about to have a kid and you look at the rules, you go, this is, there's no way. The one that gets me is do not make eye contact with your baby after 10 p.m. Oh, it's yeah, like, what kind of heartless bastard are you? I don't like that at all. And that's this really old school approach to sleep training. And sleep training has many different interpretations. But I think sleep training is okay, depending how you do it. But the no eye contact, I mean, it's ridiculous. Who doesn't, you know, you're What's not going to look at your baby. Trying to psych out your baby. <laughs> No, it's ridic- it's ridiculous. Yeah, some of her rules are a bit a bit out there. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One thing I see a lot, and I always think, what's going on here? <laughs> Can you explain to me? <laughs> a woman out in the park, so I'm always walking the dogs, and I'll yeah. always see a woman walking her baby and in the buggy or the pram, and the baby's crying, and I'm like, what's what's going on here? There's obviously a few things it could be. One could be that baby's hungry, and mum doesn't want to stop and feed them in the park, and they just want to get home. Yeah. Um, it might be that they've got a dirty nappy, or they're uncomfortable, or they're just fed up. Sometimes babies get bored as well. Or it could be that they're tired, and they do do this. Because if you think about it, babies their only way of communicating is crying because they can't talk. So they would cry or they might coo or they kind of make babbling noises, that kind of thing. But if they're really upset or annoyed, they will often cry. And they sometimes do this before they go to sleep. So they're just telling you, mum, dad, I'm bloody tired. I can't get to sleep out here. This is really annoying me. Some people will use a walk to get a baby to sleep because motion, um, especially for newborns, is really helpful to get them to sleep because they're used to being in your tummy and essentially rock to sleep 24-7. Every time you go for a walk, they're like, ah, this movement. So when you put them in a pram or a sling, they're like, oh, this movement feels familiar. Oh, I'll go off to sleep. So a lot of people find, okay, I'm going to take baby for a walk and they will go off. Um, I've heard about parents having to put their baby in the car and go for a drive. No, don't don't get into that. Can you imagine how weird that would look if the police pulled you over? (laughs) What's going on here? I'm just driving. And you know, actually thinking about driving, being sleep deprived is tantamount to drink driving. Like your reaction time is really slow. But it doesn't have to be like that. So building good foundations for sleep, you don't need to get, you don't need to end up going down that road where you're driving Mm. around at night. Really it's don't. about, I guess, we're just retaining a bit of control yeah. and not just doing the first thing that kind of solves a problem. So just because they've fallen, fallen asleep in a car once, it doesn't mean that you should take them in the car every time. You just yeah. find another way of doing it. Yeah, and if you the Lullaby Trust, actually, the Baby Sleep Charity, will tell you if they fall asleep in a car, it's all right. But if you get them home, you, you really want them to, to sleep on a flat surface. It's safer for them. There's three areas that I always look at when I'm, when I'm looking at sleep, whether it's whatever age of the baby. Number one thing to look at is sleep environment. So setting up an environment that's conducive to, to settled night's sleep. So number one thing you can think about is light in your bedroom. So Blackout blinds. Yes, yes. I love blackout. This is blackout. what we want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, blackout is brilliant for everyone, actually. I think we should all have it. That's why you sleep really well on holiday. You know, when you go yes. to hotels, because they all have these shutters and you're like, yes. why, am I, why am I waking up at 10? This never happens yeah. when I'm at home. Because you've got blackout blinds. And they're really helpful for naps as well. So mm-hmm. in the early days, you'll you'll have baby with you. But if you're, I don't know, if she's having a sleep in the front room, you might want to draw the curtains a little bit. Or if you're knackered, you might go and have a sleep with her in the dark bedroom. I always used to do that. I loved it. <laughs> um, but yeah, having it nice and dark. But 
during the night when you're feeding her or changing her bum, you're going to need a bit of light. So I recommend an amber reading light. There's one on my Amazon shop and I found this like, I think it's 12 quid. They are amazing and they're rechargeable. But amber light doesn't disturb our sleep the same way blue and white light does. The light that you get from devices and daylight. Um, That's the light that tells you to wake up and your phone, everything like that. Whereas amber light is a a natural light and we're able to go back to sleep without it disturbing us. So I think an amber light or, sounds a bit weird, some people have a red light. Yeah. (laughs) A red light glowing from your window. Okay. Um, (laughs) This sounds like a lot of cover. You're driving around suspiciously at two in the morning. You've got red lights on. (laughs) Um, well, we've got that hue light bulb, haven't we, in the lamp yeah. there, which which you can change different colours. So you can go to amber, you go to red. We've got Savannah Sunset here. Yeah, you've yeah, no. got all these colours. So we could have that in the baby's bedroom. I also got centre light. It's called a night light. Would that project an amber light? I don't know. But bizarrely, a lot of baby and child night lights are blue, oh. <laughs> which is the worst colour. I'm like, why are people creating blue light? And these light shows, so like projector like light projectors don't use those yeah um, i was thinking about that whether no, we get something like no. that for the ceiling with a kind of like rotating yeah. like no. stars no have a think about it your baby is in the womb which is dark okay yeah. so she's not afraid of the dark she likes the dark <laughs> um, <laughs> and as they get older as well at the beginning they don't there's there's a sleep hormone called melatonin um which is helps us sleep at the beginning they don't produce their own she'll be still working off yours but there comes a point where they start producing their own um, and to help us produce it we need darkness which is why it's a really good idea for all of us to lower the lights a little bit an hour or two before bed maybe switch off our devices i'm a terror for it because i'll be on my phone till like midnight and then wonder why i can't go to sleep (laughs) but ideally you put everything down and your melatonin then naturally builds and it works alongside something called sleep pressure which is our drive to sleep and the two the two systems work alongside each other and that's how we get to sleep at night but darkness helps us light doesn't but what light can do that's really, really useful is when it is morning, you want lots of exposure to light to help that internal body clock. So getting out every day with little one is really, really helpful and gets some natural light so that she starts to learn the difference between day and night. We'll do that yeah. every day anyway because of the doggies. Exactly. And you've got a really good reason to make sure you get out. And actually for your mental health as well, like, oh, yeah, it's it's a big adjustment becoming parents. Um, And sometimes if you don't get out, you can feel like you're going a bit mad in the house. Yeah, Yeah, Um, Well, I had to isolate recently. and I just I just went feral. I didn't even bother showering. I stopped brushing. I just I lost it. I went crazy. It was a slippery slope. It (laughs) It was awful because I wasn't allowed to even walk the dogs. And and you realise just how important walking the dogs, just getting that fresh air. What about temperature, cold room or warm room? Uh, Yes. So for babies, the optimal temperature is somewhere between 16 and 20 degrees. So depending, I mean, whether you have your heating on at night or not just dress them appropriately for for the temperature between 16 and 20 my house we tend to have it about 17 okay most human beings um, we sleep better when it's on the cooler side because when we go to sleep at night our body temperature needs to drop as part of that process of falling asleep so if we're too hot it can interfere with that um so just making sure they're appropriately dressed and if you 
want to check her temperature, don't feel her hands and feet because they'll always be a little bit cold. And the best way to check is if you check their chest or the back of their neck. And that's a good indicator of how warm they are. Um, But generally, just if you put an extra layer than yourself is a good indicator for a newborn. So I don't know, if you had a T-shirt and a hoodie, then maybe put a vest, a T-shirt and a hoodie for her, if that makes sense. What should she be napping in during the day? Because we've got an air crib, right, for next to our bed. But for naps, I've had advice ranging from, oh, you can just put her in the pram and if you've got a carry cot or a Moses basket or a bouncer chair or a sleepy head or a sleeping bag. You know, you were saying about the darkness. Is it better to yeah. just put her back in the crib upstairs? But okay. then I want to keep an so, eye on her. So for the first six months, you really need to be with her when she's napping. So okay. you've got a couple of options. So you could... If you're tired, you could go and have a nap with her in the in the bedroom upstairs. Probably will or be. Or I would have like a Moses basket in your front room, whatever you're doing, and then you can have her next to you. It's not advised for them to sleep in baby bouncers. Right. It's not safe. Also, sleep pods and nests are also not approved for safe sleep. As confusing as it may seem because they're sold by high street retailers, they shouldn't really. Um, the best, safest spe- place for your baby to sleep is a nice clear clear cot or crib or Moses basket with a nice flat mattress. That's all they need, really. So it's just a case of you working out that you're with them, whether that's in the pram. They can sleep in a sling as well, as long as your sling is well fitted and you make sure that their head isn't dropping down. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, yeah, I would either put her in the crib in the bedroom or in a Moses basket um, or somewhere with you with her. So my brother's girlfriend was like, oh, I'm going to give you a load of staff because her baby was born literally 10 months ago. Going to give yeah. you a load of staff that we don't need. And she's given yeah. me a sleepy head. This is like one hot top. It's like the Gina Ford method. Yeah. You've got people saying, oh, the sleepy head's great, but as long as it's supervised. And then other people are like, don't leave her in a sleepy head, it's dangerous. For my professional opinion, I wouldn't use it because we know that they're not safe. Um, and so I when you say they're not safe, in, in what sense they're not safe? Um, so there's a couple of theories as to why they're not safe. One would be that babies overheating is a big contributor to, to SIDS and having um, pillows or bedding around them can cause them to overheat. But also what babies often do when they're sleeping is they turn their head to the side um, and if they oh, were to get their heads up against it, then they're not going to be able to breathe as well. Yeah. Do you know what I realise with babies? Well, I don't because I haven't had one yet, but <laughs> what it seems to be is they don't actually need that much comfort. You just slap them on a flat surface, <laughs> you know, a bit of padding, but they're, they're generally quite happy. Like all this over-elaborate kind of stuff that would make adults feel great is actually not necessary for babies, is it? Well, I mean, the baby sleep industry is massive. So, like, companies are continually coming up with products because a lot of desperate parents will buy them. And a lot of people find that their babies sleep better in a sleepy head, but I think they're unnecessary, expensive and not safe. But what I do like for newborns is swaddling. Explain to us wrapping them up like a burrito. Yeah, exactly. So when babies are first born, if you think about it, they're used to being in the womb, which is dark, it's warm, and they're all scrunched up you know they're in the fetal position yeah so when they're born they have a startle reflex it's called the morrow reflex where i don't know if you've ever seen any of your friends babies where they kind of their their hands jolt up in front of them 
they can kind of wake themselves up um (laughs) so they do this and you'll see her do it at certain times and one of the things that can really help them sleep is swaddling now there are again there's always guidelines for everything safe swaddling guidelines so you don't swaddle above their neck you be careful around their hips because you don't want to damage their hips you don't want them to overheat but I really like it and I did it with my second and it was just a godsend because you'd swaddle her up. She'd just go straight off to sleep. It was brilliant. You can get them that make your life even easier where they kind of have like Velcro and you can kind of Velcro it on. Um, or you can get these big, big muslins and you just wrap them up like a burrito or an envelope. So, <laughs> so their arms are pinned down so they don't have this moral reflex. And it reminds them of being in the womb. I look now, so somebody... I just Google imaged and there's a little baby wrapped up and it is so cute. They look so cosy. And he, he looks befuddled, <laughs> if I'm yeah. honest. Um, so as long as they're not overheating and, you know, when you're feeding them at night, you need to take them out of it so that they can feed because they like to move their arms around and get comfortable and everything. But um, I would say it's my number one tip for newborn sleep is swaddling. Um, as long as you're doing it safely and you're keeping an eye on baby and everything, just because anything that can help recreate the conditions of the womb is going to help you. So swaddling for naps, not for nighttime. Yeah. No, no, for both. For both. Oh, for both. Okay. When do you start reading bedtime stories to babies? I've no oh, idea. Do you, know, do you know what? Whenever you want, you can do it really early. And I'll tell you why. She's obviously not going to understand every nuance of the, <laughs> the story that you're reading, but she will like your voice and the intonation of your voice because that's what she's used to at the moment because she hears it all the time, both of you. So I think it's it's really nice as a relaxing part of your bedtime routine. Yeah. But if baby's too tired and they're crying and they want to feed and you're trying to, I've had parents say to me, oh, I'm trying to read this story and they're not listening. I'm like, don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry. You've got plenty of time. Um, But babies do like it. It's a nice way for you to unwind and relax together. And as they get a bit older, so sort of three, four months, this is where bedtime routine really comes into its own because it's, it's basically a series of rituals you do in the same order each night that can help them prepare for sleep because babies like to know what's coming next. That's the beauty of a routine. I think it makes them more relaxed when they know where they are and what's going on. I quite like a mini bedtime routine in advance of nap. So you could do like a mini one where you, I don't know, change their bum, do a little lullaby, have a little cuddle or read a story or whatever it is, and then put them down for their nap. Having had a bit of time in a darker room, it doesn't need to be pitch dark. Um, just to help give them that cue that sleep's yeah. coming. It's nearly time to sleep. I suppose it's quite good because uh, you don't actually have to read them a baby story, do you? Because they don't no, understand they what don't. you're saying. You'll be reading her Louis Theroux's autobiography, which is what you're currently reading. Listen, you want to get through the book? Kill two birds with one stone? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's just great idea. What's better, you know, at night time? Bath, then bottle or breastfeed and then bed? That's what I do. So I'd normally do playtime. So for younger babies, that doesn't actually mean toys. It could be you singing to them or doing some baby massage, baby yoga, which I can talk to you about in a minute. Um, and then a bath, then you might do a story, then feed, then bed. But you don't have to do that. And some people find... If they're really struggling with their baby settling without them feeding them, because that can sometimes become a barrier to sleep later down the line, they might do the feed before the bath so that then they're, they're... they kind of learn how to settle themselves. But I always did a feed just before bed because I'm like, do you know what? I want you to go as long as possible yeah, <laughs> before you wake up. Yeah. And also, 
breast milk has hormones in it that help babies go to sleep. So you're kind of working with nature. Yeah, so I'm also a qualified baby massage and baby yoga teacher. I can tell Bodger's got an issue. He's like, baby, because you don't even like yoga, because you're not. No, like I just yoga's okay. quite hard to do, uh, let alone getting a baby to do it. So, but you know what? I clearly don't understand it. So tell me more. It's mainly about connecting with your baby, helping them sort of physically with any discomfort as well. That's what it's great for. So, baby massage and baby yoga kind of go together, but most people with newborns that the yoga isn't appropriate doing baby massage so it can really help with digestion with people talk about colic so that basically means like crying discomfort um it can help with bonding with them as well um producing oxytocin i love hormone it can help with sleep research tells us that baby massage will help with sleep um, but as they get a bit bigger they like Aww. to make it a bit more playful so you can do baby yoga but we're not talking about like the yoga you will have seen yeah it's just like little moves that are really fun like nice moves you can do with your baby like having them on your knees there's um a lovely pose called tiger in the tree pose which is really really good if your baby you can do this at any age actually if your baby's crying on discomfort you don't know what it is you lay them with their tummy on your kind of forearm and you're supporting their sort of head and neck with your hand and just swaying them side to side it's called tiger in the tree pose oh, so it's nice. I like that. yeah it's not like hardcore like getting them into some kind of bind <laughs> um, like getting a, you know a good picture for instagram it's just about relaxing them um and you don't have to do it before bed it can be any time um like massaging their tummy in a clockwise direction can really help with digestion with wind you might have seen people doing we call it bicycle legs so like if they're constipated yeah. or they've got wind you kind of push their legs in and out you're not going to get the hot stones out are you okay no. <laughs> yeah. they're yeah. not going to be doing the standing tree pose babe so it's just um, it's kind of gentle movements you yeah know. yeah exactly what about white noise um, I'm a fan of white noise. You don't have to use it, but a lot of people find it helpful. And again, just thinking about recreating the conditions of the womb. Obviously, babies used to your heartbeat and muffled sounds and the, the blood rushing through your placenta. Uh -huh. But these are all like whooshing, shushing noises. And naturally, I think a lot of people find that when they're trying to soothe their baby, they will say like, shh, shh, that kind of yeah. thing. Naturally, we're designed to do that because that's what works. So white noise is great. It should be continuous. And this is what a lot of people don't realise. So there's loads of white noise gadgets on the market, especially for babies, that go on and they, like, switch off after 15 minutes. I see. That's no good. Get one that goes all night. It doesn't have to be designed for babies. It can be anything. I think you can get it on Alexa or whatever. You can just get it to play white noise. Um, and one of the reasons you want it continuous is because what can sometimes happen is they'll be used to certain conditions and how they fall asleep. And if they wake up in the night and they've realised something's different, then that can wake them up. And also some of them are designed to come on when babies stir. And I always think by that point, it's too late. They've already yeah. stirred. So it's better to have it. If you're using it, use it all the time. But if you're not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. This is all excellent. I've got a couple more questions. I want to talk about dummies. So dummies, if they are working for you, they're great. For premature babies, they're amazing because they help them learn to suck. For babies who have reflux that you might have heard of, which is um, yeah. basically regurgitating like acid from their stomach, babies who suffer with that, 
And a little bit of regurgitation is normal, by the way. But um, yeah. if they're suffering and their discomfort, then dummy can be really, really helpful. What I don't like about dummies is if people are trying to use a dummy to stretch them between feeds. It's not a good idea because um, okay. then you're not feeding responsively. And I would probably, if you're doing it to soothe them at night and you think it's just because they're struggling, I would probably try other things first. The reason being that there can be a tricky period with dummies. So I would say between four and six months, if your baby's struggling with sleep, it might be that they're spitting the dummy out every five minutes and you're doing what I call the dummy run, which is go in and out, in and out, putting the dummy in. It can be a bit of a nightmare. Um, Doesn't happen to everyone, but some babies, until they get to like seven, eight months when they can put it in themselves and then it's not an issue at all. So we we don't need to introduce a dummy then? No, no, you don't have to at all. It's entirely up to you. There's some research that suggests dummy use could be a preventative measure against SIDS, but the research isn't robust enough. We don't actually know that. So there's just some studies that suggest that. So you might hear people saying, oh, it helps protect your baby against SIDS, but there's loads of other things that are far more effective that we have solid research on, like putting your baby to sleep on their back, breastfeeding staying in the same room as them Mm. not allowing them to overheat all those kind of things are far far more effective but if you do decide to use a dummy it is okay the nhs advice is get rid of it between six and 12 months so my bugbear with it when older babies have them is when they have them all day long they're supposed to have them again the nhs advice for sleep times but people naturally and understandably they creep in at all other times and that can stop baby talking to you. By that, I mean, like babies, they might not be using words, but they're like cooing, blowing raspberries. You'll be talking to baby and they start copying you like and you can see them trying to move their mouth. And they do that quite early, actually, and try and copy how you're right. moving your mouth. And if you keep putting a dummy in, they don't do it. It can cause speech delay later on. Um, anyone who's listening and their little one's still got one, don't panic. But just you can gradually reduce the use of it. So just keep it for sleep times. And it might be that when baby falls asleep, it drops out and they're fine. Like, you know, it's not it's not a big deal. But I just don't like it when people do it and they're not listening to their babies as well. Like, you know, they're, they're telling you they're tired or they're hungry or something else is wrong and you're trying to just silence them. But it's really, really personal preference. As long as you, like I said, follow guidelines, reserve it for sleep times rather than just using it all day long, which kind of creeps in. And that's where I think it becomes a bit of an issue. Right. And finally, if anybody wants to hire you, how do they get in touch? What's the best way to contact you? We've got lots of resources. So I'm really, really passionate about having free advice out there online. So if you have a look at my Instagram page, my YouTube channel, there's loads there. We've also got really good online courses. So they're designed from not we've got from naught. So we have a newborn one um, all the way up to four years. And then we have one-to-one support, so myself and um, two wonderful women who work with me um, as sleep consultants. So if you look on our website, you can find support in lots of different ways. We'll be knocking on your door within days, I I imagine. You're not that far from me either, I don't think. No, we're not. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, bad news for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Rosie. It's been really nice talking to you. Okay, bye for now. Thank you, Rosie. Bye, Rosie. 
You know what? I feel better already. Yeah? hundred times better. <laughs> a million times, times better. A trillion <laughs> times better. She's uh, she's prone to exaggeration in her third trimester. Do you feel better though, don't you? Um, I've got to say, when she said it's not as bad as some parents make out, that did make me feel relieved. You know, saying that, I just got a text from my mate Mike and his three-year-old is now being a nightmare as he's figured out if he says, I'm scared... They'll let him stay in their bed. Which, this Artie? Oh, I'm scared. He sounds like Dick Van Dyke. I think he's three, isn't he? I think he's three. Why do all three-year-olds from London sound like Dick Van Dyke? Oh, God, blimey, missus. Just our friend's little boy does. Okay. Who fine. else? I don't know. I feel like My I've met... My twin sister's son. Oh, yeah, they're, they're so... Cool, blimey. <laughs> Governor, those chimneys need sweeping. Toddlers are funny, aren't they? They're I... creative. Yeah. What's he scared of? The dark? I don't know. He hasn't specified. Monsters. Keep it. If you keep it open-ended, you can be scared of whatever you want, can't you? I'm not sure what would scare Nutschke more. The dark or being rudely awoken by your sleep guffs. Mm. They're terrifying. Yeah, I should probably change my diet before she arrives. Anyway, that is all we have time for. But a quick shout out to everybody who left us uh, lovely recent reviews on Apple Podcasts, which you can too, uh, by doing what? Because I've suddenly forgotten. Baby brain. How do you leave an Apple Podcast review? You just go to Apple Podcasts and you go leave review. Do you? It's quite straightforward. You just go leave a review. It's quite intuitive. Really? Yeah, you can just see it there. You can rate us as well, five stars. It's really easy to do. You just click five stars. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like Karen M did. Sam 2005X. Sam 2005X, my favourite of the Sams. Sarah number four, Rich did as well. Amy MCM. By the way, Amy has a sister called Stevie and nobody calls her Steve. Giving us more reason to call our daughter Stevie. Come on. I... Such Do you know a what? Name. It's a sample size of one. It's one person, <laughs> so I'm not sure I believe it. So no. We're back next week with our episode on the third and final trimester. How are we here already? I'm going to put it out there. This has been my least favourite trimester. Oh really? Mm. Try being the one who's. Pre- Do you know what? I'd love you to experience just one trimester. Do you know what I can't wait for? What? The fourth trimester. What happens then? You're a dad. Prefer it to this. Anyway, until next week. Thanks for listening. Hasta luego. Your accent is brilliant. Get out. You get out. <laughs>